Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Adam Marks. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Maybe you're listening to us later on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher. Wherever you listen to you, podcasts, that's all good. Now, we have a packed, packed show for you tonight. Very excited mm. about the guests that we have on that we're going to bring later. But a lot of stuff to talk about. Should we, before we get into it, though, I think we should do a little bit of business here. Uh, As you all I love know, business. frequent listeners of the podcast know, uh, this podcast is Patreon supported. We have a many, many amazing people to support us over to patreon.com. Let's thank them. Let's think. Our IPO is going public, guys. You can finally invest in comic book. We're looking at a pretty strong valuation, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I know exactly what all that meant, and I agree with it. Now, once a month at the, I believe it's $5 and up level, we thank people all live on the show, and that's what we're going to do, and we're going to kick it off. You ready, Pete? Yeah. All right, let's kick it off with Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Edge. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Beercat PhD. Benjamin Brown. Carly W. Christina Jaramillo. Chris Terrazzini. Oops, Clement Fleur. <laughs> Curtis LaRock. Man Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Stay at Home Dad Cabrero. Daniel Warden. Daddy Heck. Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Dylan LJ. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard de Villiers. Isaac Carter. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. John George. Jonathan Jong. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxon. Catherine Adenson. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Kyle. Lee Brown. Lee Wanda Thomas, my absolute fave. <laughs> Lucas Inc. Mark Carrillo. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Michael Tillman. Mitchell McDonald. Nathan Diaz. Nelson Martinez. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. Official CBC chef, Brett Macris. Omnia Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez, say hello. Pedro A. Rangel. Pete's, <laughs> Pete's pretty kitty. So many questions. Primetime Polly G. <laughs> Rev Mikey. 
Sarah Schottenmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. My man Stanley. <laughs> Steve Cook. Tamelia Rush. The Big Flood. The Twelve Batch. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. And Zika's Viral Comics. Thank Ooh. you all so much for your support. We really could not do the show without you, so we really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show, be part of our Patreon Slack, where we hang out all day and chat about mostly food, but also a lot of other things. Uh, we, that... <laughs> we do. <laughs> I will say we do, we do hang out all day. Yes. It's also cocktails. Yeah, cocktails. And there's and a stuff. thriving sports channel that I wish you guys would pop into. More. Oh boy, I muted wow. that. Oh, I know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Because we have a we have a thriving first year fantasy football league going in the comic book oh, club oh, Patreon. And cool. it is fun. You've that's said great. thriving too many times. I guess your team's doing well. I am two and oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Great. I don't know what that means either. Oh, boy. Not financial stuff or sports stuff. All I know is comics and fun. But there is actually one other thing that I know, which is cocktails. And as we mentioned, we have an official CBC chef who is Brett Mackers. And each week he curates a cocktail for us. This week, uh, I have to admit, I did not make this week's one, but Justin looks like you did. Alex. I I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Justin, you want to talk through this? Sure, this one's good. It's got um, muddled cucumber, um, some simple syrup, bourbon, Fernet Branca, one of my favorite bevs, um, and some dry vermouth uh, mixed up and some bitters on top there. And um, I didn't have any mint, so I garnished mine with um, oregano flowers from my garden. And wow. this this thing is uh, good, spicy. It's Total perfect for the flex going on there. Garden flex. Uh, yeah. It's it's perfect for the changing season. Did uh, you I'm, really I'm know what all those words meant? What was that ferret <laughs> you you have in there? Ferret. Yeah, put I like a, a ferret in there. And let it lick it. Fingernail of ferret, of oh, course. Um, this is we should, uh, just okay. quick mention uh, just to give context. This is from the Gotham City cocktail book, and this drink is called the Cape and Cow. Uh, so there you go. Take it away. I use, the muddled cucumber is really nice. I used to do a cocktail uh, a little bit similar with gin, though, um, instead of the bourbon. And Yeah, uh, I like my gin muddled. Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about, and that's fine, because that's not your area of expertise. One more thing we should talk about before we get to our guests. Now, a perennial, I don't even know if you can call it a bit, maybe it's more of a truth on the show, is... Where the bit ends and the truth begins. Well, this is something, I I mean, this goes over to you, Justin, and you, Pete. This is something you talk about. Every time we talk about Lobo, the DC character Lobo, Uh, right? Pete, you love Lobo, right? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Justin hates Lobo. Do not like Lobo. Eh, I call it, he's he's Space Wolverine. Right. You call him Space Wolverine. Which is really dumb. That's true. That is very true. It can be dumb. (laughs) It can be dumb and true, like a lot of things, actually. You think about it, <laughs> but this has come up a lot. This uh, we did a Krypton podcast called After Krypton. Oh, showed up there. What so a show! A lot. Plus we what a show. talk about you love, love that show. Uh, plus we t- just end up talking about Lobo and a lot of comic books, and this comes up every time. So I wanted to share something that was sent to us by a listener of the show. Uh-oh. Uh oh, he is an is a artist surprise? based in the UK. His name is Blair oh. Robertson, uh, and he so sent Blair? this in. Specifically based on this. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to see this. I will post this in our Twitter feed later on. Uh, but for those do. watching, here we go. This is by... <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Blair well, Robertson. It's, 
Absolutely well awesome. And yeah, it's that's... Lobo, to describe it for the listeners, is Lobo holding a gun as Wolverine's head in a jar with a comic book club logo over it saying, who's uh, face it, Wolverine now, dweebs? I believe it says dweeb, dweeb book, book club. club. Yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. say comic. It's got comics, but dweebs are over it. It's well <laughs> yeah. done. Uh, oh. This is a beautiful piece of art. And let me say, Pete, I don't know why you're enjoying this because Wolverine's the real loser here. Well, first off, uh, fuck you. You know what I mean? You can't cross. You know, okay. this is DC and Marvel, two separate things. But I, I, I think it's funny. You know, funny is funny regardless of, you know, oh, it's a shot at me or it's a shot at you. I think it was, uh, it's very well done. I agree. I think- this is This is beautiful. But let me say, if I'm Lobo in this picture and I'm trying to say, like, I'm not Space Wolverine, why do I have Wolverine's head in space next to me? I feel I feel like he doth protest too much. He doth oh, protest too much. Oh, don't try to. I just appreciate the, the fact that I'm the only person that comes out clean from here. So that's pretty nice. <laughs> he calls you a dweeb too, man. You're, oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, I'm a dweeb. Yeah. You're yeah. the biggest dweeb, right? But it's true, so I, I can't be <laughs> upset about it. But I you, Yes, I think this, this is only proving my point. He is the most space Wolverine when he's standing next to Wolverine. They look exactly the same. It's just one no, of them. Oh, come on. This is only proving my point. Completely so, different people. If you would like to check out more of Blair's art, uh, B-L-A-I-R-T-X-A on Instagram, Blair Texa on Instagram. And Blair, Beautiful. Thank art. you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for this awesome piece. I yeah, definitely will great. post it on Twitter later, but it is so very, very cool. And shout out to Kevin in the comments who sells, says Wolverine is Earth Lobo. And I think that's equally, oh, equally God. true. <laughs> God damn it, Kevin. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Why don't we bring in our first batch of guests here? They're coming from sure. all batch. over the planet for this show. So I'm very excited to chat with them about their new Image Comics book, Frontiersman. They are Patrick Kinlan and Marco Ferrari. Marco, Patrick, hello. How are you doing? Yes. Welcome. So let's very quickly, before we talk about the book, talk about where everybody is right <laughs> now. Uh, Marco, where are you based? I forgot to ask before we started the show. Oh, yeah. I- I'm at home. Uh, this is my my desk. Oh, but where is Ooh, home? Nice. What? Yeah. Where, um, where are you based? I- I'm, I'm from Italy, so I'm in Milan. Nice. I live nice. There. There we go. And the exact address. Yeah, what time are you going to that? Don't, Drop don't it in the chat. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for staying up late for us because I'm yeah, yeah. late where you are. Oh, it's okay. It's, 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 it's usually my working time. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> no I love it. And Patrick, no less impressive. You are is in a parking lot in Roanoke, Virginia. Is that right? Yeah. Raleigh, quite- Virginia. Raleigh? No, Roanoke. It, it oh. doesn't quite have the uh, sex appeal as Milan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's. Uh, I also, uh, you gentlemen, give me some sort of signal if I'm just cutting out because Wi-Fi is not great here. So uh, honestly, I'll, you're the most crystal clear of anyone right now. Oh, on end. So <laughs> congratulations right. on uh, coming to us. And honestly, I vacation a lot in a uh, parking lot in Roanoke, Virginia. So I can't. I studied abroad uh, there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what I would learn in this particular parking lot. Uh, it's uh, I don't know what I would be studying. Um, but uh, thank you very much for having us. Uh, uh, it's uh, yeah. Again, if I cut out, let me know. Um, oh, all yeah. good. We are all used to internet being wild uh, for yeah, the past year good. and a half, so it's all good. Let's chat about this book, which is coming out tomorrow, I believe, from Image Comics. This. I don't want to spoil too much. We read the book, love the book, super fun. Yeah. There are 
so many big ideas going on here in this book, but I think, tell me if I get the pitch wrong. Essentially, it boils down to there's an old hero that gets sucked back into life one more time, mostly through the lens of environmental protection, though there's a lot of flashbacks, flash sideways, other things going on at the same time. Is that kind of encapsulated without giving out too much away, or, or am I missing part? Uh, no, that's about right. It, it's uh, so so uh, the environmentalist uh, part of it, the environmentalism part of it, isn't actually a huge element as the story goes forward. It's uh, it's more of like a broad idea of, uh, I mean, the the real inspiration on my end is uh, uh, Green Arrow, and it's mm. this idea yeah. of. Uh, kind of being the uh the vanguard of of social movements maybe being uh the progressive of your age but now being 50 60 etc and really feeling out of touch when you used to be the the bleeding edge of of these conversations now you are uh seen as like a boomer you know what i mean mm -hmm. <laughs> you are yeah you, 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 and sure uh so it's kind of I, I, from my point of view, I wanted to tell a story that had that hero comes out of retirement angle, but do it from a, a vantage that I hadn't seen before, which is how do you even see yourself when you kind of are no longer uh, the, you're no longer the world's idea of helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I, and as I get older, uh, I'm not frontiersman's age, but as I get older, I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, you know, at what point are kids going to look at me and go, stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's truly my nightmare in so many ways. Um, I, I, I love this book. I love the way I feel like you guys crafted a real fully fleshed out universe. And then you, it just honed in on this one part of it that you wanted to talk about. And uh, let me just ask Marco real quick, because I love that you brought up Green Arrow. I felt that vibe. Did that play into your design here at all of of the look of our of frontiersmen? Uh, well, at first, because Patrick asked me to work on on book two years ago, so it's kind of blurry how I started to <laughs> to study that design. But uh, I remember that the first design I did was very close to uh, a clone of of Green Arrow with the. With a mustache and, and everything, so um, I I thought that wasn't really what we wanted to do, and at that time I was um, I was designing some toys for a company. Oh, cool! And that that was that was the the things that um, make me decide on on how to work with the with all the characters that we have in the in the series. So I decided that every every characters had to be something I wanted to have as a toy. Uh, they <laughs> work uh, as an action figures. They should have a lot of accessories. They have um, quirky, weird, weird uh, weapons. And um, they should look like, yeah, something coming from the uh, late 80s, uh, first 90s toys. That's Three Sharks vibes. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes! Wow! Street sharks. So, Street sharks. Didn't expect that reference coming, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm here for it. And probably you, you will see what I mean with street sharks when you see the the main villain of this first arc, because okay, it, it has right. that kind of vibes. And in particular with with the protagonist, I I, I dropped this design to Patrick 
and he was so fond about it that um, uh, hardly we we changed it from the first time I drew it uh, with this this hat and everything because uh, I was trying to do some cool uh, superheroes something that will resonate like uh, um, the invincible characters or or the newest one super mega no, ultra mega from uh, from Harren. Because um, yeah. yeah, these are the kind of, of of reference that I had till that time. But yeah, we we wanted to work with the with this idea. He looks uh, weird. He looks like a toy. He looks out of place because probably he was look fine in the sixties or in the seventies. But now <laughs> with all the latex, the superheroes, he look like a an old man with a club. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, people, with, was people, kind with of beards, people with beards just look older, like teeth, <laughs> uh, like it's just that natural progression. But I, I feel like Frontiersman looks like like a green arrow just let himself go a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, I think that really yeah. worked. Now, uh, Justin was mentioning this earlier, but Patrick, again, without getting too much into spoilers, but beyond the Frontiersman character, I was kind of blown away by the fact that you were throwing out this whole superhero universe right in the first issue. So why was that choice important and what went into building out all of these characters at the same time? So I'm really glad that that worked for you because, uh, uh, so through image, uh, uh, the the first issue was, uh, sent out to uh, retailers, but also a a number of creators that, uh, they know I respect and, 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 uh, I won't use any names, but a guy who's rather famous, that, that was his only criticism of the book. He really liked it, except for the fact that it it felt like we gave too much up front, mm. uh, too, too, mm. too much, uh, and too much uh, like universe in a, in a single issue. And okay. uh, I thought that that was a very interesting criticism because obviously, I mean, you've read the book, that runs counter to what I'm interested in in right this moment but it was interesting to hear like kind of a legend uh say <laughs> say you know what i liked every bit of this uh, everybody's always very uh complimentary to marco's art but like it, it, this, this iconic guy said i'm just over the 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 handing it to me you, you know what i mean i i want mm, to see yeah. and so i thought that that was really interesting uh but from my perspective in the year 2021, there's a lot of books on the shelves. I, I think that you have to grab people quickly. I think you mm-hmm. have to give people a sense that it's a lived in place. And I guess you don't want to inundate people, that's for sure. But I don't see necessarily a purpose in stretching everything out uh, over 25 issues. Uh, I think that if you can pack every issue with as much as possible, uh, that's another way to go, and I'm glad that that's the way that we went, regardless I mean, of what that, regardless of what that iconic uh, writer said. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we won't name name any names, but Tom Cruise, right? That's who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that okay. icon. That what icon. an icon! I mean, the way he <laughs> writes stunts. Yeah. What's your real quick? Everybody, go around. What's your favorite Tom Cruise comic book? Oh, geez, I, I like so his run hard. on Punisher personally. I'll throw that out first. Uh, back to Frontiersman, though. Honestly, wait, wait. I think the thing that really worked for me about it is that I went into this thinking, oh, it's an old guy who gets sucked back into it one more time. I've read that a bunch. I do like the art. I do like the writing. But that it blew it out so big so quickly 
in my mind, not to contradict this anonymous legend, but I think that's the thing that really worked for me about the book, frankly. Very happy to hear it. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree, yeah. actually. Like, going in deep on it, because it, it feels like it's all very germane to the story. It feels like such a natural fit to w- what you're telling here. You, We need to hear about Frontiersman's life to know where he is and why he's sort of removed himself from the world a bit and then, uh, you know, finding out why he might be willing to step back into the world. I also really like this idea of like, because we have, you know, comics can go fast to, to action and there can be like, there's only so many pages to get so much story. And I really like the parts where it kind of like slowed down and the main character was kind of grappling with like, uh, you know, like what he was about, what this new person is about, and if they can kind of line up instead of kind of jumping right in, like, all right, one more time, let me put it back on. Like the kind of back and forth was nice to kind of hear and also like, you know, uh, getting into the character's head and like finding out like what makes them tick in a, in a cool way that's conversational but doesn't feel like I'm going to talk about things that are going to be coming up soon, you know. Well, I, I'm. I, I mean, firstly, let me tell you, fellas, I, I like you a lot because, <laughs> because you are uh, you're complimenting the aspects of the book that are uh, uh, that are real decisions, right? The, 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 they're, uh, for example, um, it's a first issue. Marco and I wanted it packed, but the question becomes, just as you said, do you start with here we go again you know and, right. yeah. and, and, and jump straight to action perhaps etc but i uh, trying to balance that that notion of uh okay let's make people care about him be, be, before we jump into any of that but you still as you said only have 22 pages to work with so making people care about a thing and supplying that punch that would make them want to come back is of course marco and i's job but it's it's just a uh, I'm just glad that it landed, uh, and, and it's very nice to hear that uh, that aspect worked. Now, uh, we may have touched on this a little bit before, but Marco, getting back to this whole superhero world, and uh, like we saw in some of the pages here on the live version of the show, uh, there's a very much a mix between sci-fi, robots, and forest woodlandness at the same time. So what was the biggest challenge for you artistically beyond designing the main character here? Because there's so much to take on. Uh, I suppose uh, deal with the time because um, I'm I'm alone working on the arts. I do the colors. I had to to learn how to color a comic because uh, I never done it. So you will probably that. see my my evolution as a colorist uh, as you go through the issues, and that that was a real struggle because um, I'm a traditional artist. I never drawn uh, digitally. Uh, since I started working with Frontiersmen and I had to study again how to work with a computer Uh, but I kept all my all my um, stuff from from the traditional art so all the all the ink all all the layers uh, I put too much works on that the colors uh, I found out uh, completely take away so yeah, the, the the biggest part was um, really deal how to um, put details uh, with the inks and which uh, I I could leave to the to the color part, and and that it, it's really the more uh, pratic part of, of the work. 
But if you say about the construction of the world, I think mm, um, I was completely free. I mean, uh, when I when I received a script from Patrick, I I already know what I have to do. Uh, we we already worked together on other comics, and I think now Patrick knows how I I like to draw, how my storytelling works, and mm, it shows because because I don't have to to deal too much to understand what we are looking for. I mean, uh, if you if you see the the pages where. Uh, from Frontiersman is talking with the um, the students that comes to his shot to convince him to to help him. Um, yeah. The description was was completely um, free of details. He just said me at the at the bottom of the pages we'll have the forest and they are still in the in the living room mm-hmm. and yeah I already know. Know what I have to do. I know what he planned with that page. I know what what was the focus. Uh, so th- that's not the hardest part. I, I really have to say. Um, I don't know how, but we already have both in our minds how our universe should should have been. And it's it's been the easiest part actually. Cool. That's awesome when you have that group mind going, even though you guys yeah. are on two different continents. That's very cool. Uh, uh, you're getting a lot of compliments in the comments about the colors, so you should definitely feel good about oh. your uh, your work Thank here. You. Thank you so uh, much. And also, a comment from Edward Doherty: drawing plants is a bitch. So yeah, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's really it's really is because uh, uh, usually um, it, it's hard for me to. Uh, keep the layer of, of the image uh, um, divided one from others, uh, and plants doesn't help uh, with with so much details uh, in doing so. Uh, this is a question in the comments for Patrick from Derek Mainhart. Been a fan of Patrick since his Black Mask stuff. Is this your first straight up superhero book? If so, what made you take the leap? Uh, so not the first superhero book that I've written. The first superhero book that'll ever be published from me. Uh, I, I had a, uh, I had like a, a 20, as they say in, uh, in football, I had a cup of coffee at, uh, one of the big two, uh, <laughs> who, uh, I was speaking to an editor, uh, and, uh, I actually wrote a, uh, a fill in script, uh, 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 and, uh, I think they hated it a great deal. So, <laughs> so um, so I have written uh, superheroes uh, before, but not in a capacity that anybody enjoyed. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, and to answer why uh, I wanted to do superheroes. So Marco and I are trying to be careful not to sound uh, argue, like combative with the, uh, with, with the big two readers, because that's not the purpose of the book. It's, it's not like um, it, it's not to point out any deficiencies uh, on, on, uh, like Marvel or DC, uh, but I personally haven't been getting what I want from from those titles in the last few years, maybe. And that could be a different. That could be a change in my life. That could be where I'm at, or, or maybe uh, there's, you know, maybe there's a shift in direction at the at, at the big two. But 
I've been connecting with the idea that I love superhero books. Like I, I, I went back and I was reading some of the ones that mean something to me. And I was thinking, you know, everybody complains. Why don't we just try to do the thing instead of uh, complaining about how the current state of it isn't working for us? Yeah. Why, why don't we just manifest the thing that we would like to see? Um, so uh, I, I wanted the challenge of putting my money where my mouth is. And uh, fortunately, Marco could, could also uh, be, be suckered into that, uh, that gamble. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so um, uh, I'm, I think that we're successful. In the back of the book, I should say uh, to the people watching, uh, we, uh, I, we start like a running tally of us being the best superhero book on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, take it in the right spirit. I, I, if, every, <laughs> if every, if everybody's enjoying big two books then I'm very happy for you, I, I, for Marco and I to succeed, actually, we need those books on the shelves. Like mm-hmm. those books keep stores open. Uh, they break new talent all the time. Uh, it's they're good for comics in a million different ways. So I, I'm not mad at anybody for loving those books. Well, well and I, I was going <laughs> to nice. I was going to say, like, that's what I think is great about your book is it takes some of those themes that are inherently blunted by, you know, these the big two being the big two and being like corporations and they can't tell bigger stories or more like socially conscious stories. A book like this takes those themes and like elevates them and brings them to a whole new place. And like, that's what it's all about. That's why, like, I feel like people like us have been reading comics forever. It's like, well, I want to go to where the the new story is. I'll still read all the the superhero comics I want to read. But this story is exciting because it feels new. It is new. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, uh, I I think the the, the idea of stakes um, is lost on those big two books for the most part. and yeah. that, that, to a degree, that's as it should be, right? Because we know that we're going to be coming back for more. Uh, we don't want these characters to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but at the same time, um, it's almost at the point, like, think about how painted into a corner Spider-Man narratives are. Um, we, well, it's funny. We've never talked about that on the show. We should get into it. Do we feel like, do you feel like Spider-Man needs a change? Well, but he needs a change and then he doesn't. It, it, it's yeah, it's no. almost like it's an unwinnable situation because uh, like Aunt May, right? Like uh, who doesn't love Aunt May? But yeah. if you know Aunt May will never, ever die, then there's no stakes to the 150th time that she's been kidnapped by Doc Ock. You know what I mean? So it, it's – now – I think Her bones are dusty at this point. For sure, <laughs> they're basically and, dust. And, and How dare you? Respectfully to the to the creators who are stewards of these of these properties. Respectfully, there's there's almost no way to have your story land to to, to have it like punch somebody in the gut, you know. And uh, I think that Marco and I get an opportunity to to hopefully win over some readers, and then occasionally punching them in the gut you know so sorry to the readers that yeah. don't want to get punched but you know maybe we'll do that occasionally well listen i, love I am punch. very excited to get punched like in the punched. gut i don't want to get punched <laughs> i i like getting punched i love it. i get punched enough in real life i don't need yeah. i don't need extra punching <laughs> very much looking forward to the rest of frontiersmen and very much looking forward to everybody now i'm scared about what's going to happen moving forward but <laughs> it, so far a, it's been be amazing a light punch light punch. just a light uh, punch yes. i've heard that before <laughs> uh 
Marco, thank you for signing on from Italy. Patrick, thank you for signing on uh, from a slowly darkening, rainy parking lot. Yeah, I have where... so many questions about what's happening with you, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be on some sort of bus. Uh, it's a party it... bus. Yes. Listen, sure. we really appreciate you guys coming on. Looking forward to everybody checking out the book. Have a lovely night. And Great good book. Yeah, good congratulations on the book. Thank you, thank thank you, you so much. much. Thank you very Thanks much, and thank you to, to the commenters as well. Appreciate yeah. you all. Right, have a good night, guys. Have a good night. Good night, guys. All right. There we go. Uh, once again, the book is called Frontiersman. It's by Patrick Kinlan and Marco Ferrari, and it's out from Image Comics tomorrow. I just Yes. Yes. I just wanted to say, like, I really liked how uh, you know, uh, uh they, he was talking about the action figureness of it. Like, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting way because some people are like, Oh, you know, you guys make things to sell toys or whatever. You know, there was like action figures before cartoons and you know some people you know take that as shots towards like gi joe or he-man or something like that Not but no nope. uh, i really like the idea of like giving somebody enough detail that they're like action figures like having accessories and like all that kind of stuff like putting that kind of thought into the characters i think is awesome and it was cool to kind of hear him talk about it like that i think we need to shift over to full body shots of us when we do the video (laughs) because i want people to really see us as action figures there's nothing action about my figure well, you know, what has inaction, a lot of action. An inaction figure is what Pete is, <laughs> yeah, as we can definitely agree. You know, what has a lot of action is the next book that we're going to talk Uh-oh. about. The next yes. guest Come on. We're going to welcome in here. He is the writer of one of our favorite books of the past year, which is called Stray Dogs. His name is Tony Fleece, and it is awesome. And Pete is going to freak out because he's very scared yes. by this book. Tony, hello. How are you? Tony, hey. yes. Thanks so Pete, much for Justin. joining us. Alex, good to be here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Uh, yeah. Like I was setting up in the intro, love this book. For anybody who hasn't checked it out, it's, I believe, just been collected by Image Comics. The uh, collection came out a week or two ago, something like that, a little while yeah, it ago. Came out, it came out last week in comic shops. I think it's on Amazon and bookstores today. Okay. So, awesome. And yeah. this... The way that we've described this, we reviewed, I think, every issue of this book on our Stack podcast. Loved it. It is basically the way that we described it is like Don Bluth with murder. So there's a bunch (laughs) of dogs and it gets absolutely horrifying. Pete was terrified every single issue. But where where did where did the germ of the idea start? Were you watching like Land Before Time and you're like, yo, I wish these dinosaurs died? They do die in Land Before Time. They, they do, do die in almost all those comics. Of course, like more horribly. Isn't enough. I want to twist it and make it more fucked up. Yeah, Alex, Alex is in denial that the dinosaurs died in general. <laughs> not even just in Land Before Time, to all I've, dinosaurs. I haven't right. been outside in the past year and a half. I assume if I go outside, Mark. there's dinosaurs, but nobody. They're not out there anymore. No. Yeah. Also, no, I probably good. should have used "all dogs go to heaven" as a reference point. But hundred percent, hundred percent. We have no Very, no take backs. Interesting. <laughs> I think they die in that one too. They go to hell, and then uh, they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of lies in that title. Now, now I see where your take comes from on straight yeah. Dogs. Um, yes. When we pitched it, we like even before we took it to Image, I would tell people like I'm working on this thing, and it's sort of like a Don Bluth thing, but with murder. Uh, and before you have any sort of like art or pages to show somebody, that's like I told many of my friends, like comic book makers and stuff, and all of them would just be like. Eh, fine you know yeah, <laughs> <it's>, uh, okay <laughs> that's cool for you um 
<laughs> but yeah, the, the idea came from, I was watching um, the show Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. Um, we oh. just had it on the background in the studio. I was working and I was drawing my little pony at the time. And uh, I got up to leave the room. And when I left, like when I left, Norman Bates didn't have a dog. And I came back, you know, 10 minutes later and Norman Bates did have a dog. And I was like, where did he get that dog from? Did he kill somebody and take their dog? Um, oh, yeah. And, and my, then... Yeah, and my studio mates were like, that wasn't what happened. And I was like, I just sort of got fascinated by the idea of what if that was what happened. So I just sort of like uh, started thinking on that. And it wasn't exciting to me, the idea of like following a serial killer or following like cops chasing a serial killer. But then from working in My Little Pony for so long, I sort of have this part of my brain that just thinks in like, well, what what would animals do in this situation? And so that sort of popped into my head real quick. The idea of like, what if it looked like Oliver and company, but it played like sounds of lambs. It's kind of like you're taking something great from our childhood and really twisting it and putting it in a fucked up place. Yeah. Well, but I got to, I mean, we love this book. I think no book went harder this year than your book. Like, <laughs> because you. we, yeah, because we, we are even, even beyond the, the, the Don Bluth look to all the characters, like they are innocent dogs slowly realizing the horrifying revelation and series of revelations. And then the final revelation they have to deal with. Like it is truly a walk. Uh, I watched I watched Kurt Vonnegut speak once, and he was charting the arcs of different uh, okay. storylines. Kurt flex. Just wait, just okay. wait. No, this isn't not much of a flex. Uh, he gave this speech for years, but I went was, to Cornell, uh, where he also went. Go ahead, Justin. Okay, cool. <laughs> he wrote a term paper for me once when my dad made me go back to school. Look, we've all got a a Kurt Flex. But he was talking about um, the arcs of characters and how everyone wants, uh, like, the characters to end in a good place. And he arced all these, like, Hamlet, everything sucks all the time. Um, The metamorphosis, it's a nightmare from the jump. And I feel like you've really taken that thing of being like, why don't I tell a story that starts and then gets harder for every single character the entire time? And it's so hard to pull off, I feel like. And you crushed it. Thank you, man. Uh, well, that's like the the part that I worked the hardest on, I think, um, just because I've drawn comics for so long and I've written a few comics, but the part that I'm confident about is like the panel to panel storytelling and the drawing and stuff like that. And the part that I'm less confident about is like issue to issue plotting and cliffhangers and stuff like that. And so like Stray Dogs number two was not my first second issue, but it was like my second second <laughs> issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I really wanted to make sure that everything was, you know, like I wanted like hard Brian Cable on cliffhangers and I wanted tension ratcheting up every time. Um, and then I, I like when I started working on it, I knew the beginning of it. I knew when Sophie says your master broke into my lady's house and all that. And then I knew the end of it, which I won't spoil, but like Earl walks out, like I knew that happened. Yeah. Um, and so I, it was just a matter of like filling in the the middle parts of that and and figuring out what would be like a great big bang at the end of every issue to keep, make sure people need to come back. Because, you know, Trish and I, uh, my co-creator on the book, aren't like famous comic creators that you know. So we couldn't count on people coming back even for issue two, unless we had something that was just like, you gotta, you know, you gotta know what happens next. So we really worked hard on it. Could you talk about 
bringing Trish on board. I don't know if you guys worked uh, together before, and this is, the writing is great and the story is amazing, but really, without the look of the book, really nailing that Don Bluth look, it wouldn't have quite the same impact. So when did you come on board and what was the coordination like? Um, It was super collaborative. Uh, I knew Trish through ponies. Um, There's a big pony convention every year in Baltimore called BronyCon. I'm sure you've heard of like on Howard Stern news, you know, like, um, but she worked for that convention. She would like artwork for the convention. She'd drawn like a picture of me as a pony years ago, uh, because that's a thing in pony conventions. Like they'll put up your your pony picture when they announce that you're coming to the show. Um, and so I met her, uh, but we weren't super tight or anything. We just knew each other. And then I had this idea for this thing. And I started thinking about like, I knew I wanted to just write it and not draw it. Cause I wanted somebody that could do a more Don Bluthy thing than I could do. Like they could just do that exact sort of animation, which like my was close to it, but not like Trish is exactly right on. for it. So, um, I remembered Trisha's work and I felt like I, I had bought a sketchbook from her and I felt like I remember there being a dog in it. So I like dug it off my shelf and like flipped through it and was like, Oh, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, she drew like this all dogs go to heaven looking dog. And so I emailed her before that pony show that year and was like, Hey, I want to talk to you um, about working on a thing. And I didn't know, you know, like she had done some pony covers, um, but she hadn't done any comics yet. Um, but I had just done this book time shopper, the year before where I wrote it and my friend Tone Rodriguez did layouts. And then the artist on the book, uh, Christian Misi did like finishes. And so I knew that was a process we could do where even if somebody wasn't super comfortable with like page to page sequential storytelling, I could sort of like set up a, a workflow for them where it's just like, okay, here's the work, just go through and knock it out. And, and that's sort of what we ended up doing with Trish. I pitched it to her at that show. Um, and the way she tells it, uh, like when I told her the twist in the first issue, she was just like, whatever else happens here, like I'm in for this thing. Um, and then she just was, and it like, she has a regular job. So it took us a long time to put the five issues together. It took us like two years, but like, wow. I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to do it. Like it just looks exactly like what I imagined it would look like. So yeah, she's great. Well, and jumping back to um, the way that you sort of built the story with um, surprise uh, sort of reveals and twists over the course, the whole thing is a bit of a chamber play as well, because they're mostly at home, at their home, these dogs. So I got to think, how how was it to sort of find your way to those when you know it's just a bunch of dogs hanging out? (laughs) In a house, yeah. 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 when, so when I first started writing it, I had a notebook and I drew a map of the house. Like I drew like, here's the, the main room where they hang out. Here's the bedroom and here's the master secret room. And then like downstairs, we got this out back. We got this, there's a porch, there's under the porch, you know, just sort of like set up the, the places where I could possibly put stuff. Um, and then a lot of it, I knew, you know, like I knew they'd go under the porch and find stuff. And I knew, that if they would find their way into the master secret stuff room and then that would be bad. Um, but some of it was just like, because I had the, the board set, like the playing board was set when I like in issue four, um, there's a, there's like a double reveal at the end of it. Like the main, all the dogs find one horrible thing and Earl finds another horrible thing. Um, <laughs> and in the, 
outlined, it just said horrible shit happens or like bad shit happens, you know? Like, <laughs> and so for all through writing one through three and like into four, like I had a draft of four that was uh, not as good as that. And then I just, I couldn't figure, I knew it needed to be harder. And so I just went and looked at the map and was like, all right, well, there's a shed or the locker that we drew in the, you know, and just sort of like started putting pieces together and then taking the things that we'd seen in the, uh, the guy does taxidermy and, you know, just sort of like figuring out what all the, the pieces were and how they fit together. That one was a real, like, because we had set up a thing and had done the work and like setting up all these things and leaving little uh, pockets of story possibility, I guess, if that, if that makes sense. Where it's just like, here's something where something had happened. Or here's something like, I always thought like, well, we got the garage. We don't know what's going on in there. But then it's like, well, how do you get them in there? So that one was just like, we have these things set up and we have these places and, and it, it worked out figuring out how to, what could happen at those places at the same time. I'd be interested to hear you talk about modulating the horror of the book. And I think that comes right out of, I believe it was issue four. I remember very distinctly the day it came out in our Patreon Slack, people being like, did you read that issue? That was really messed up. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, physically upset right else, now. Like, right now? Yeah. Well, it, it went from, and, and I think people obviously stuck with it and it still worked, but there's a, there's a point of, as comic readers, we're reading horror and we're like, ooh, these horrible things are happening to the dogs. This is, this is fun to read and dark and I want to find out what's going to happen. And then there's that turn there in issue four that takes it even farther. So... Uh, again, where where's that modulation, and what is that point where you felt like this is too far, this is not far enough? How, how does that work when you're writing? Because we became a stray dog support group for like <laughs> the full run of the book. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, we always had in our heads like uh, places where we wouldn't go to. You know, like they say you're not supposed to ever kill a dog, and we we're just like, well, there's no stakes if we don't do that. You know, like. Right. But we were, but we're not going to be like, you know that. This is a, a reference that hopefully will work on a comic book show. But you remember when Cape, uh, not Cable, when Chapel kills himself in Youngblood, and it's just like wow. a two-page spread. Whoa! And his, brains, his brains blow out one side of his head, and it's like a it's big, big crazy shit. You see like chunks of skull. We oh, never wanted wow. any sort of Chapel, <laughs> Chapel level violence. That's a reference. I don't know. I wish we could all raise our hands and um, everybody listening to this podcast would be like, you know what we're talking about, right? Because that's a deep one. I will yeah. say that's a deep reference. That, it's been ingrained in my brain because I think it, it hit oh, me at just man. the right age. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we knew there was like, we weren't going to go too gory and we didn't want to like do any sort of dog torture. Um, but we also knew that like at a certain point, like I said, with issue four, there was like, we needed to be horrible because it sets up the chase in issue five, basically like the, by the end of issue four, it's like, we had to get the fuck out of here. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so we knew we had to set that up. And then in issue three, we knew that like, we got to set up stakes. So like at the end of issue three, something bad happens, something very bad happens. And that when Trish and I were writing it, we were just like, this is right for the story, but this is when we will lose people, you know, like, and hopefully we'll sell enough issue one, two, and three that we can just print four and five and then whatever will happen will happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, like get out of there. <laughs> that, that we'll be able to coast on the sales of the first issue or the first three issues. And then those last two that nobody buys will be fine. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, so funny to be like, all we got to do is get to three. We just got to get to <laughs> Christmas and we'll be fine. <laughs> so the point of no return. But what ended up happening was sort of the opposite. Like we got a few people who were like, I can't, you know, like th- this was fun. This was exciting and stuff, but I can't, it's too much. I can't, um, yeah. which a hundred percent fine. And like some people, retailers have reached out before the book even came out and was like, Hey, is, tell me what this is going to be because I don't want to put this in my customer's hands and then have to deal with, you know, so we were always real straight with them. Like this happens in this issue, this happens in this issue, you know, like tell them what they see and what we don't see. Um, but what ended up happening was after issue three is when it, the book exploded, which I don't think it's because of what we did to, to the dogs. I think it's just sort of like people were just like, oh, this story's not fucking around. Um, yes. And, but yeah, so the thing that we were afraid of, sort of the, more than the opposite happened. Like it was a, a much more opposite reaction than, than we expected. So yeah, that was, that was strange. What about the voices of the dogs? Because they all have very different voices, of course, obviously the different characters, but there's a lot of different ways you could go there in terms of they talk like normal humans. They talk just bark, bark, bark. There's obviously somewhere in between where it's almost a childlike way they have of speaking. It's a very staccato rhythm to their speech. So what led to that in particular? Uh, it was sort of based on, well, first of all, it was based on archetypes. So, you know, like the spree, the main character is sort of like a, a vulnerable final girl type, you know, she starts out very scared and she's going to have an arc. And then we have the Rusty, who's like the, the alpha dog who described as like the Billy Joel, you know, like in the script, it was like, so then Billy Joel shows up and it's like, everything's cool because Billy Joel <laughs> is the cool dog in Oliver and company. Um, and, and then Earl, the old dog, the non-believer and, you know, like all the, the dumb dogs and the funny dogs and sort of like, um, and we, we wanted to have a lot of dogs, like early on, some of my studio mates were like, you have too many characters in this. Like, you're not going to be able to f- to service each of these characters, which I think is true. Like, there's a couple dogs that only say a couple of words, but the point of them is, in some cases, just for them to be uh, a body count. You know, like, when you see that there's that many dogs, it's like, oh, this guy really was going crazy out there, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I started with archetypes, and then it, it was just basically think about what they know and what they don't know. So like, and I had friends that would help remind me, like I would say like camera and they would be like, a dog doesn't know what a camera is. Like just call it like the click box or something, you know, like put it in some words that they would understand. Um, And I tried to stick to that a lot of the time, but sometimes just like, I mean, like dogs, dogs don't understand the concept of going to work, but I just have to have them know that he goes to work because yeah, exactly. <laughs> too much to write around it. Um, but yeah, it was about what they knew. And then their personalities, I sort of based on um, who, who their previous owners were and like who raised them, you know? So like Gucci's a character who's like a ugly little Chinese crested who thinks she's just like a Paris Hilton or insert current Paris Hilton, <laughs> you know, but well, we'll insert that in post. So, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's somebody Addison who's like, Ray, Addison Ray. There you there go. go. Good. Somebody no, whose no, owner no. would like take them out and like, and take Instagram pictures of she has her own Instagram account probably. And, you know, like, and so then she's like a mean girl, you know? Um, and so we tried to just sort of like set up stuff like that based on who they, where they came from and how they were treated at home. All these dogs, uh, we felt like came from a real loving home because the 
the backstory of the the way that they were found is that the master would like find them at like groomers and dog parks and stuff like that. So these weren't just dogs that were like, you know, would just stay at home or chained up in a yard or something like they were dogs that went places. And that, that made us think that they were probably well taken care of. You know? Yeah. We have a couple of questions here, both on Crowdcast and YouTube, just to go to YouTube first. This is from Ramsey Hassan. Was Grant Morrison's We Three an influence at all? Uh, I liked We Three. And, like, obviously the the dogs and violence combination, uh, it, it's right there. I don't think I was thinking about We Three more than just, like, this is the thing that you would compare it to when you were talking to retailers or something. You yeah. know, like I wasn't oh, like right. looking at, at we three as like a, a jumping off point or anything like that, but I love that book. Yeah. Um, more when, when we first started working on the thing, I sent everybody on the team uh, Balto on DVD mm, and I sent nice. them all uh, pride of Baghdad. Uh, oh, no. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Cool. Uh, this one's over on Crowdcast, which I know you answered in the comments here, but we'll read it for the podcast anyway. This is from Michael uh, Vinoy79 for Tony. Is Dog Days a prequel, or do we get to see the dogs living their good life after the events of the main series, which is brilliant, by the way? And for those who don't know, I think you probably figured it out for the question, but you are having a sequel to this book, sequel, prequel, so yeah, take it away. Um, so yeah, Dog Days is in previews that comes out tomorrow. They just announced it last week and it's, uh, it's a two issue follow-up. Basically when we pitched the book to image, we said, um, this is the story. It's in five issues, five chapters. And if people really dig it and they like the characters as much as we like the characters, we have this like special we want to do or annual or whatever, where it's 10 short stories, one about each of the dogs. Um, oh, wow. And so Dog Days is that. They decided, uh, because the book sold very well, they're like, well, let's sell it two times. So <laughs> it's two <laughs> issues now. <laughs> and, uh, Best possible outcome. Yeah. <laughs> so it's two issues, and it's ten short stories about each of the dogs. Um, and most of them take place either before the dogs come to the master's house or while they're at the master's house, but not like in, inside the story that we're in, just sort of like other moments at the master's house. And then there's a very little bit that happens at the end, sort of like a coda, mm -hmm. you know, just like something at the end. Are they all still, I mean, I don't know how much you feel comfortable talking about this, but is it still in the horror genre for all of them or do they kind of span genres? They span genres. The, like the fun thing with being outside of the, um, the plot, the, the, the narrative of the five issue thing is that now that we're not in the suspense mode anymore, some of them are horror things some of them are like sadder things or but some of them get to be happy and some of them get to be you know just like funny things you know because all the dogs have these different personalities and like different modes and vibes and so it was cool to get to go in and give each one of them like a specifically different you know like the this is what imogene was like before we met imogene in the story cool. That's awesome. now, from Scott Carpenter. Oh, were you going to ask something, Pete? Was that yeah, it? I was just going to ask, like, were you worried when you were making this book that uh, maybe friends and family would look at you differently afterwards? Like, because this is like, <laughs> I had to do, you know, like, I was a point where I wasn't sure if I was going to come back after three. Like, there was a lot to go through emotionally. Yeah. Uh, no, my friends and family are pretty aware of what's going on here. <laughs> they were, like, like, I don't uh, think they knew me. I was going to do this story, but they, they weren't like, that's weird for him. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. All right. All right. 
Yeah. Are you okay with your family? Is everything okay? That's what. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. They're big okay. fans. My mom. My mom's a big supporter. Earl is uh, her father's name, and so she just yeah. like the whole time she's just like, oh, I just love this character, Earl. He's a snitch. Like, guys, a dick. The whole time. You're like, you're not supposed to let him yet. You know, after five, I would be fine with her liking him. But the whole time she's like, oh, Earl's so great in this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's I'm naturally drawn to any character named Alex. Uh here's a question. This is from Scott Carpenter over on YouTube. Really wish I wasn't working right now. Please ask him about all the covers that are absolutely awesome and if they're going to be collected. I know the trade I bought has some. Yeah. Um so we put out a yeah, so there's a million covers for this thing because at first we had like a few covers that were uh, retailer incentive covers where they have to, you know, you know how that works. Like a retailer buys like 500 or a thousand co- copies and then they can have their own cover. Um, and we, we always said, because we are doing a covers like story covers and then B covers, we wanted to do horror movie covers. And then for the retailers, I was just like, let's just keep doing horror movie covers so that at the end of this thing, we can have like a blockbuster shelf of horror movie. Covers, oh, wow. you know, like perfect cool. world. Um, and so we did a bunch of those and then the book, kept getting reprinted and so again we did a story one at first and then we we're just like i guess we we'll just do hor-. like at a certain point you're out of story covers to do you know for one issue of a comic so we we're just like i guess we'll just do horror covers and so we did so many horror covers i think there are like 40 some for the first series yeah that's awesome uh, for five issues <laughs> thank you um and yeah we had room to collect a few of them in the in the trade um and then we there's a very hard to find and rare like cover gallery that image sent out to shops as like a thank you where they just, it just showed up without a charge to anybody that ordered the trade any shop that ordered the trade. So those are out there, but those are, you know, expensive. Um, the hope would be that at some point we'll do like a hardcover and it'll just have everything, yes. you know, both That's series and, and everything in it. But uh, that's not something that you want to advertise when you're advertising a soft cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it's never coming. It's never going to happen. You never have to get the soft cover, everybody. Only Super. if you really buy the soft cover. <laughs> yeah, buy two or three of the soft cover, and then maybe Image will. They're very t- they're taciturn. They they're not easily moved. If I show up to them hat in hand and say, "Please, the people are, are Please, the for people have cover. spoken." Look the only way. The only way to harden a soft cover is with money. I think. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, we got another one here. Will Stray Dogs be an animated movie? Oh God, that's uh, that, that's the hope. Uh, we optioned it um, do to Paramount before the book even came out. Um, wow. And so, and I think like that that news came out so far before the book that nobody really even knew about it until. Again, like around the third issue. So I feel like that probably had something to do with the excitement when mm. when people actually started talking about that. But they want to make it as an animated, 2D animated, you know, looks like the book. Oh, so good. Somebody better put some warning labels on that thing, man, because since it I looks mean, like it's for kids and it's not. Well, this is yeah. a follow-up question here. Since Paramount also does the Paw Patrol series, will you have some sort of <laughs> crossover? Eventually? Interesting. I hadn't even considered that possibility. We could Alex finally pushing get some dog cops in. Yeah, <laughs> Alex pushing Pete's worst nightmare. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so you got Stray Dogs. The collection is out. Dog Days is coming down the road. Uh, is there more Stray Dogs after that? Do you have any other projects in the work that you want to plug in particular? Or is that all too far away at this point? Well, uh, that's that's it for Stray Dogs. Like, we just want... Uh, we feel really good about the series. And we like the idea of just having, like, perfect thing. You know, like, so much yeah. work that we make... You know, especially work for hire, you know, you're just cranking, you get it done, you put it up, it's fine. Uh, you feel however about it. Sometimes it's really great, and sometimes you're just like, oh, that was one of them. You know, like, that's a that's a book we did. But this one, Trish and I really love. Um, and we think about, like, stuff that gets ruined by just, like, plumbing that same well over and over mm-hmm. again. Or, you know, like, they made a sequel to Old Yeller tell me what it, what happens in it, you know, like <laughs> explain to me what was in that thing. Who cares? Older um, yeller. <laughs> older and more Guess yeller. what? <laughs> the prequel, young yeller. He's, I, his yell is so intense. I feel if I, well, he was a yellow dog. It's not that he yelled. That's not what old yeller's deal was. <laughs> oh, that's well, funny. I've never thought that. <laughs> his name was Ye- old yellow? That's old yellow, worse. yeah. But there was you know, way worse. These are country folks. That's how they say yellow. Yeah. Um, like, what do you want to name your dog? Oh, yellow. Yellow. My <laughs> they name... called him yellow at first, and then as he got older, he aged yeah. into it. Oh, my uh, name is Baby. My father's <laughs> name is Flesh with Hair. That's what we do in my family. Yeah. 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 Full grown man. Um, oh. Yeah. So stray dogs. That's it. Uh, we're doing dog days, and then that'll sort sort of be the end of that thing. Um, and we're happy about that. Like. Especially, you know, that people would love for us to make more. It's, it's, it makes us feel good to just be like, all right, leave them wanting more. Don't, you know, don't be sitting around here with like the fifth volume of Stray Dogs. You're like, I can't believe this guy survived again. You know, how does he keep, <laughs> how does he keep evading death? This is a Michael Myers situation. <laughs> um, but I'm working. I have a Kickstarter that's launching uh, at the end of next week on the 29th. Uh, for a book called Time Shopper that uh, that I mentioned earlier that my, my friend Christian Misi and I made. Uh, completely different vibe, but it's uh, a guy gets a job traveling in time. He's supposed to fix history's greatest disasters, kill baby Hitler, warn the Titanic about the iceberg, warn JFK, this oh, sort wow. of thing. Um, and then as soon as he gets back in time, he just immediately gets distracted by how cheap everything is. And just <laughs> instead of doing what he's supposed to do, he just goes shopping. Uh, and so, uh, and then, you know, hilarity ensues. So that's like a, a European format hardcover that we did before COVID. And then it just sort of got uh, waylaid by the world being a mess and publishing and, and stuff like this. So we've been sitting on this for a while. And then we just, the whole time COVID has been going on, we've been putting together like this Kickstarter, like, oh, this would be cool to do this. And this would be cool to do this. So it's going to have all sorts of cool like artifacts, you know, like you can just get the book or you can get a set that comes with like a shopping bag filled with like artifacts that he brings back from time. Oh, so that's cool. Oh, wow. That's all like cool. a Mickey Mantle rookie card and like a, oh, like a Nixon campaign button where he was running alongside Nixon. You know, it's all got like the Carl, the time shopper mixed in with all this stuff. So we, we made all kinds of fun stuff. We made pogs. Oh, uh, nice. Great. You can get like 1990s primetime pogs. Uh, so you get like a Murphy Brown oh, pog and a Stipowitz pog. Primetime pogs were my, my kind of pogs. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Tony, congratulations on everything. We love the book. I Thank you. hope it continues to grow and grow. And you're forced to do Stray Dogs Volume 5, but I guess we'll... Stray Cats. <laughs> Stray, Stray Cats. Big shout well, out know, in the comments. 
You'll know that uh, things have gone horribly if you see that. So uh, <laughs> right. just be like, this guy really fucked up. Uh, here we go. Good barometer. Tony, awesome. Thank yeah. you for coming on. Have a great night. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for reviewing and supporting the book when it was coming out. I watched every time, and I was so happy when you guys liked One of oh. you said, I really hope that these dogs solve this human crime, which I thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Tony, so, thank you. That's thank so nice you for having me. Thank you. Have a good night. Love the book. Later, man. Oh, man. All right. There we go. Once so again, good. that's Tony Fleece, and the book is Stray Dogs that is collected by Image Comics. Coming out last. It's week. a messed up comic, man. It's a messed so up comic. It's so good. One of one of my faves from the year. And let me just say, I always thought Old Yeller was orange. Anyone else? Huh. I, I feel is very. Is Old Yeller the one who gets shot at the end, or is that another dog? Oh my god, what is happening? Right I, now? I don't want to spoil it here, but I think uh, we can spoil Old Yeller. <laughs> well, not everyone's seen it. Um, yeah, I think he gets rabies, and they have to shoot him. Oh man. So probably the sequel is just a dog skeleton rotting, right? Uh, yeah, that's a slow. You get to well, you get to you follow place. you follow the flies and uh, leeches, mm-hmm. ants, everyone eating the yeah uh, old, old fliesy. All right, we're a, lo- a lot of a lot of the plot of the movie Ants with a Z was actually about eating old yeller. Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> Nobody talks I'm about. Ch- that. I'm the child of one billion ants who are eating old yeller. Oh, I, I could have gone with a bug's life, but I definitely wanted to set you up for your classic <laughs> Woody Allen ants impression. <laughs> and Listen. yes, quick shout out though before we move on. Um, Alex dropped nine bottles of beer during that interview <laughs> and was called out in the comments. And uh, the comment from Stray Bullet What's Alex drinking? That beer was huge. Your beer bottle is fucking massive. What's going on here? All right. We're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question here on Crowdcast. I see a bunch of them already. Or over on YouTube in the comments, and we'll keep an eye on those. But first, guys, do you have any stray dogs down there? I knew this is. I have. No, I had worries no. based on our guest tonight. <laughs> how this is going to go? No, no. I mean, I. I feel like you're probably looking pretty mangy down no, there. No, you know, no. just a lot of hair going on down there. If you know what I mean. I'm sort of a frontiersman when it comes to my handling <laughs> of my uh, body hair, so I definitely need some manscapement. Oh, you know, you should check out. Our friends at Manscaped have released the Performance Package 4.0. Our can... 4.0 already? That's amazing. Yeah, you you got to upgrade it a couple of times. It shuts down your whole body for a couple of hours. You can see the little line going across and everything. But when it's done, you can get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag hold everything in which is awesome uh that's something that you could take a little shih tzu and you could put it in too it actually fits one of those and you could take it wherever you want if that's the dog you find interesting interesting selling point from the manscaped (laughs) copy that you want to put it in i'm just reading the copy here it says very specifically either you can carry these things or a shih tzu Uh, yeah uh, true. That's definitely true. Let's just keep reading the copy. Yeah. They say uh... <laughs> <laughs> Labrador Retriever. 
Uh, it's just a list of dogs, but if I was to speculate, I would say that the Lawnmower 4.0 is a fourth-generation trimmer with advanced skin-safe technology, a 7,000 RPM motor, a multifunction on-off switch, a travel lock, and it's even waterproof. And it has a 4,000K LED spotlight, which is great we go. for finding dogs lost under your porch, metaphorically, of course. Yes, wow. catch all the strays with that 4,000K LED spotlight. And of course, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. And I say it every time, your space balls will thank you. Oh, my God. Great stuff. Now it's time to talk before we get to your questions about what you're drinking tonight. Justin, you were originally drinking the Cape and Cal. Have you moved on to something else? I have loved the cocktail, uh, but I I have moved on to a – I've been slowly working my way through a 12-pack I brought back from a vacation, the Grippa Grapefruit IPA from Mm -hmm. uh, Cisco Brewery in Nantucket. Truly a great beer. Oh, man, I really want to try that. That sounds great. Pete, what about you? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking something that's called um, the Modern Guppy. Um, I uh, tried to support a uh, brewery, and I got swindled. This is a shitty beer. Um, <laughs> I, w- I went in there, you know, uh, to use the bathroom. I'm not going to lie. and uh, that's thought- not- Let me just say, Pete, real quick, not super supportive. But I was like, hey, they were nice enough to let me use the bathroom. I'm going to then buy some beer. And I feel like the guy saw me coming a mile away and like sold me on some shit they needed to get rid of. That's not how it works at breweries. I had a a bad back and forth. I was like, listen, man, I'm not into this bougie beer shit. I'm not into this shit. And oh, after you told him I'm not into this bougie beer, he sold you a shitty beer? That's a shocker. I shot myself in the foot. I was like, what's something you you can drink 20 of and you know, uh, you can just throw it back? And he was like, all right, go with these. I love the idea that he was like, well, sir, what sort of drinks do you enjoy um, on your own time? You were like, oh, flat diet Mountain Dew. And uh... <laughs> they was like, well, what kind of beer do you drink? I was like, Coors Light, Bud Light, uh, you know, Corona Light, you know, all the good stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, like, Corona Light. Clearly a man who chases flavor. <laughs> uh, I'm, of course, just to plug what I'm drinking here. I'm drinking a Mountain Dew what? Flavor Hot. No, no you're way not. You're, you are oh. not drinking that. No that way. That better not drink. be open. That better no, not no, be open. No, uh, yeah, I was going to say there's no <laughs> way you're drinking It's not open. I haven't tried it yet. I did honestly want to drink it here on the show. I wanted to have some Mountain Dew Flame It Hot and vodka just to oh, man. get one to my old friend Pete LePage, but I don't want to drink a Mountain Dew at this time <laughs> night because I'm an old man so like, and I'd yeah. be up. I love the idea you don't want to drink it because it's going to keep you up. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I'm actually drinking Too Hearted. Uh, just needed a good old Too Hearted today. Let's get to some questions here. Moving it over to YouTube first. We got one from Ramsey Hassan. Loving the Why the Cast Man. But do you guys now wish you called it Why the Yawn Man by how dull and bad some of the choices were? When does an adaptation become a reimagining? Ooh, Interesting. Um, I, if anyone's listening to, uh, our, why the last man podcast, why the cast man, you'll know that I've actually, why really the cast enjoy- man, why the cast man, wait, uh, have I'm you actually- been listening Pete? No. Oh, <laughs> wait, how do you know that? That's like our catchphrase. Cause Justin keeps saying it every time we, do, we talk about it. Great. 
uh, great to have all of us back on the show, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that sincerely. Um, I actually re- like Why the Last Man. I've been enjoying it. I feel like it's a show that um, has been getting better over the course of it. And they are making a lot of big changes, um, basically to have more characters with more story. And I, I like it. I'm definitely on the more negative end than you, as anybody would know if they listened to the podcast. But to the point that Ramsey is saying, I actually, and and we talk about this on a lot of podcasts, and I I think, Justin, you and I are in agreement on this, I think it's okay to reimagine them because these comics are flat on the page. They're not moving. We're creating our own movement with our minds. They're a different medium, and they're a different storytelling medium. They're a different way of explaining the characters and the dialogue and everything. So to translate them to TV... It is not just very hard, it's not just a challenge, but I think arguably a bad idea to straight up put it on television or in a movie. I know some people disagree, but the the commensurate example that I would give is the Watchmen movie by Zack Snyder, which tried very hard to be like, we're the comic, but in movie form. And other than the opening sequence, yeah. which is great, it just didn't do that at all don't, versus don't put Watchmen as an example well, no, no, no. example. this is what I'm saying is that 300 like, is a good example because that was really well done that's exactly from page to movie and that worked really well and maybe that's the rare example of that sort of thing but ex- what I'm saying here is that Watchmen the movie didn't work because he tried to take it and put it on screen and that's just not what you do because Watchmen is inherently a comic book versus what the HBO series did was exactly say hey we are doing Watchmen for TV what did Watchmen mean for comics let's do that for TV let's analyze it in a similar way and I think both Watchmen the the HBO series and why the last man were working with material that was like it doesn't quite work anymore the way it was written in comic book form like Could you imagine if every how long does it take to read a comic book? Five, ten minutes most of the time. So like, 15. sure, fifteen minutes. But Brian <laughs> K. Vaughn style, you have the splash page at the beginning, the splash page at the end. You have the meat in the middle. You can't do that on TV with an hour long TV show. That just it's all work. splash pages. Yeah. Or or maybe we should start doing that. Uh, I I just wanted to while we're talking about why the why the cast man. Um, uh, Stray Bullies asked, uh, you know, about my participation. Um, I It was just one of those things where we put a lot of time and energy into podcasts. And, you know, we try to come to, from things from a positive uh, angle. And, you know, maybe it just was the way I was feeling. But I watched it and the whole kind of like everybody dying and then seeing everybody dying, you know, why we're in a pandemic. I, I j- is just too much. And I didn't want to keep going into this world. Um, and uh, instead of just being kind of like a negative all the time, which, you know, sometimes it's very fun. Um, I, I just felt like, you know, I would, I would uh, kind of hang back on that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, we talked about it, Pete, right? Maybe knowing uh, not to get too much into spoilers for the show, but after the first couple of episodes, they do get past that initial shock of the viral pandemic he hitting and instead deal with the repercussions of it. So you may check it out again and you may check in later for the podcast, but otherwise that's the reasoning. Especially with the show sort of catches up with some of the relationships that I think you personally enjoyed a lot from the comic book. So, Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. Why the cast man? 
Well, the cast, man, let's go into some questions here on Crowdcast. We got one from Ben the Border Collie. Who is Ocean Wolverine? We've established who Space Wolverine <laughs> is and Earth Wolverine. So who's Ocean Wolverine? I mean, a lot of matted hair on Ocean Wolverine. A lot mm-hmm. of very Ooh, gross. Ocean Wolverine. I mean, Namor, maybe? He's kind of an asshole. He is kind of, but... Uh, he's really shut down right there (laughs) he is but i don't want to be in this discussion anymore says pete uh straight bullets says Zack snyder aquaman jason momoa that's a good call Uh, edward doherty says tiger shark i might lean more towards king shark but all right all right okay uh Uh, nice just naming sharks um i think it's gotta be the aquaman from the movies because pete loved it for i don't know why so i think it had to be (laughs) some sort of wolverine relationship there this is from Nelson Martinez over on YouTube. Been really enjoying the What If show and your podcast. What are some What If situation episodes or character crossovers you like created from the DCU? Oh. I'll tell you why. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I would oh. love DC to do an Elseworlds series just like the What If series. I don't yes. know if they would because it feels like it would be knocking off What If, but that would be awesome. Like, I know they've done a bunch of that stuff for the animated movies that are released on DVD, but, like, the uh, Gotham by Gaslight would be super fun. I know they did Red Sun, I think, as well. But those would work great as half-hour episodes. Those would be a blast. Especially when so much of what the DCU sort of multimedia plan is like, let's just do different versions of whatever and no one needs to worry about it. Like, there's so many different Batmans. There are so many different the jokers out there like all these characters are sort of existing in their own little pocket universe anyway like to really go take it all the way and get a full elseworld story would be awesome i think there are so many great elseworld story because unlike what if takes like mainline continuity and jumps off of it elseworlds is like let's take these superheroes you like and move it to a different genre or a different time mm-hmm. period and tell interesting stories i think is different enough i say let's go for it i i like the idea of like <laughs> Uh, what if there was no Batman and Catwoman was holding down Gotham, like mm-hmm. uh, trying to be like a Batman type uh, and was kind of like the, the main uh, superhero of that? That would be a fun. I, I What stinks about what if uh, for me is they say, what if we took a shitty idea and spun it out to kind of show no, you happening. how great the character <laughs> that no. you do have is, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's Not hard goal. to kind of go <laughs> with that. So I would like it if they focused more on good ideas and did more of that. That would be fun. Yeah, it is tough that they came into the series What If and they sat down in the writer's room and said, what if we did bad ideas? I mean, that well, feels I like mean, the wrong on. thing First that off, a showrunner First the Peggy Carter doing. thing was unbelievable. So powerful. Uh, what if Black Panther is the Guardian? Yeah, unbelievable. That whole Thanos bit was just really great but then they had it got weird man it got real weird you don't like when things get dark and that's what the what if series has been trending darker with its stories but let me throw out a couple elseworlds to see the leatherwing batman story i thought was great from the elseworlds annual run that they did so many years ago um and i'm trying to think of another one that i really love there's some great dystopian ones that were more in the what if vein where it was just like the superheroes like losing to dark side and having to fight back. Uh, great. I, I would love to see, I mean, just to wrap this up, I think a great, what if scenario for DC would be, what if Superman went bad 
Like, that would be really cool to see, and I think it's something that we haven't really seen before. Like, he's Superman, but he does kind of, like, bad things, and it's in that scenario. Maybe it's even some sort of analog for Superman, like he has a different name and maybe a different mm. costume, but he's, like, an evil Superman. Mm -hmm. Oh, like cool. Spider-Man. Yeah, like Spider-Man, exactly. Yeah. I think that would be really cool <laughs> in the original. This is from Eduardo. How were your adventures in the woods, Pete? Did you read any comics while you were away? Um, the adventure in the woods was intense, man. I like locked eyes with a full grown bison. Uh, you know, it was some scary shit. Uh, being out in the badlands, I mean that that's some that's some beautiful, breathtaking, unbelievable stuff that changes. They, they just used to be called the regular lands, but when you got there. Shit got no. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah, I was just really impressed with my first time out there. Um we did Tell people stop... where you were. Tell explain the whole thing. Uh well, you know, uh Liwana's family is up in Fargo Moorhead, so we uh I'd never been out there, so we kind of went out there and hang out with the folks and the folks turns out the family goes like camping to the Badlands or used to on a regular basis. So they kind of wanted to go up there and do like a family trip. So I kind of hopped in with her family and we did like a trip up, which was uh, kind of crazy and intense, but also a lot of fun. We got to see some cool comic book shops and uh, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got all teary eyed in a comic book shop. When the guy asked me if I wanted my comics bagged and boarded, I was like, I love you, man. Did you just real quick? Did you lock eyes with the bison in the comic book shop, or was it <laughs> another place? No, it was, uh, so you're driving around the Badlands, and there's all just just wildlife on either side of the car. It's kind of like Jurassic Park. You drive over these grates that the bison can the bison can't get out of, and you're kind of locked in the park with them, which is scary. And we came up on this uh, these other cars that were parked, and when you see cars off to the side of the road, you're like, oh, cool. What are they looking at? And this family had kind of started to get surrounded by bison and they had like climbed this uh, kind of rock to get out of the way. And we kind of like, oh, we're just pulling up as all this was going on. It was kind of intense. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this for is from me. Stray Bullet. Is there a show any of you wish you had done a podcast for and explain why it's Doom Patrol? <laughs> I felt this it question coming. I felt this question coming. Uh, yeah, Doom Patrol is probably not happening again this year, but is there a show that you wish we had done? A Doom Patrol. Really? That's Doom Patrol, question. not Arrow, Pete? Well, there's so many arrows. I mean, we would have to go back and go hard on it. You know what I mean? And Same with Doom Patrol. There's at least, I don't know, I want to say 19 season. episodes there. Two seasons. Well, there's Did you now... miss a season? No, but I mean, there's going to be a third, but... Yeah, yeah, usually before imminently. the third season, there's two two seasons, not one. Yeah. <laughs> Just math-wise. <I> was... <laughs> wow. It's good. Uh, Pete was in the bad math lands for a while. Yeah, that's um, right. I This is an answer that I thought we would ha should have done, and then now, no, we shouldn't. But Walking Dead. Yeah. We, uh, we should have done a Walking Dead podcast, but can you imagine the albatross we would have on our backs at this point <laughs> if we were doing a Walking Dead podcast? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what. what, a, what a uh, in all honesty, for my day job, uh, you know, we're getting into this final season, and I'm still writing about Walking Dead, and I'm like, well, this is, this is a thing I, I've been doing for 11 years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Your life's work. Yeah, pretty much. It is the show that I have covered the most consistently for work. 
through Walking Dead, Walking Dead World Beyond, Fear the Walking Dead, I have watched every episode of every single one of those shows. Wow. Uh, and that, that reminds me, Alex, I did talk to your gravestone maker, and he is willing <laughs> right. to put, he watched all of Walking Dead on the gravestone. Yeah. With a sarcastic wow. <laughs> oh, that was going to be wow. a surprise. That was going to be sort of my surprise. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. Great job. <laughs> uh, this is from Kevin. Who's your favorite unambiguously derivative comic book character, especially one you like better than the original? Deadpool, better wow. than uh, whatever Spider-Man? the other guy is. Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, who's the... Oh, my God. Uh, not Deadshot. Uh, from the DC Universe? From the DC Universe. I mean, Blood I don't... He just, he just looks like Deathstroke. I, he looks like yeah, Deathstroke. He Deathstroke. looks like Deathstroke, but he's not... A, I don't think he's derivative. No, you isn't think... he... He's Deathstroke meets Spider-Man. That's the whole idea. I think just the look, yes. Sure. All right. Well, who's your answer, then? <laughs> Oof. Um... I That's mean, I would say one. I would say that Lobo is kind of a space Wolverine. Oh, nobody's ever said that. Uh, a lot of people people are talking. Some people are drawing it. Yeah, should I bring that up again? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I I feel like there were so many. Like, would you call? Uh, maybe the timeline's wrong on this, but like, is Darkhawk? Wow, is Darkhawk sort of uh, a bit derivative of? Uh, like what was happening? Yeah, Lighthawk was. I, I have to check the dates on this, but I, I don't remember if Darkhawk is coming out when like uh, the Image Universe was happening. If there's some sort of relationship there, I mean, this is this is a classic one. But Fantastic Four is better than Challengers of the Unknown. I know there's a lot of back and forth about which what? one actually came first and whether they're actually derivative of each other, but. It certainly seems pretty clear with the timeline that Stanley was like, yeah, those guys, but with superpowers. Well, let me say, Alex, I don't think anyone Hard would disagree. disagree with that statement. <laughs> Controversial. Oh, well, you're who's... a big Challengers fan? That's right. Yeah, because at least Mr. Fantastic wasn't a dis- dick to his wife. You know what I mean? Mm. The, 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 ones the Challengers? That, yeah, the Challengers were nicer. I, I don't would, know. I would invite you to read some of that stuff because I okay. feel like maybe right. you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, I'll go back and check it out. But uh, I would say I don't know who Spawn is a derivative of, but Spawn for me for sure. And, oh yeah, uh, who, and who I don't, would you I, say? I don't it's know. It's really who tough Lobo to pin down is, who Spawn is derivative of. Do you have any ideas, Pete? That's literally why I said I don't know. So <laughs> really, I can't tell if you're doing a bit or not. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Venom. <laughs> This is from Edward Doherty. Favorite action figures as a kid? Oh, that's easy. I mean, Transformers, He-Man, G.I. Joe. I mean, that was all. Uh, the the Star Wars and the... Uh, I had the Star Wars and the Darth Vader. Oh, the Star case. Wars. Yes. Yep. Uh, I... The Secret Wars Marvel line of figures, which were the sort of rubber... Uh, do you guys remember these? They were their legs came off, and but they weren't hard plastic. Uh, were definitely the the action figures that we sort of used the most, and were the ones like I'm gonna play with that one. Um, 
we inherited some old He-Man stuff and some Star Wars stuff from some relatives and whatnot, but it was always about those Marvel action figures. Hmm. I feel like I have talked about this on a podcast before to my detriment, but my absolute favorite action figure growing up was a eraser that I owned of, <laughs> yes. of a Cabbage Patch Kid that was named Dickie Francis Jr., and he was the greatest superhero in the world. Wow. Um Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I just was uh, overwhelmed uh, briefly by the <laughs> no. fact that you said that again on this podcast. Well, there was that. Uh, the other one I will mention is Rodimus Prime for some reason. I had a oh, Rodimus nice. Prime action figure, and I used to set up all of my action figures on the floor. I'd have all the bad guys on one side and all the good guys on the other. And Rodimus was always standing on the top of my bookcase being like, I'm too powerful. I'll wait until the end to come in and save everybody. And he was always standing up there and watching everything as everybody followed his, he would come in at the end and save the heroes. So wow. either Rodimus Prime or this uh, eraser I had out of a cabbage match. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing more uh, action than an eraser. Uh, <laughs> you can't really, I mean, truly it's, play. it's finality incarnate. Wow. Finality, I feel like it just uh, erasers prove just how every, temporary everything is because mm-hmm. it, it can be erased. Wow. Let's get one last question here. This is from Pablo T. Martinez. All of Disney's IP got snubbed at the Emmys this year. Thoughts? Uh, yes, WandaVision did. Well, I will say some of those shows won in the creative arts uh, Emmys, the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. WandaVision. So, like, they didn't get they the main sort of the main show Emmys. Yes, they didn't win, but they're not built for that. The Emmys are built to recognize uh, prestige, all the prestige shows. They don't ever recognize most of what everyone watches in, in America is sports. A football has like 48 of the top 50 shows every year. Um, And then mainstream uh, television. And it's, we just focus on for the Emmys, all these like, other shows i mean alex uh, why am i why am i talking you've covered this way no, no, no. I, I think you're absolutely correct the big thing that i came away feeling is it was a big deal that they got nominated at all because perennially science fiction and fantasy shows and superhero shows in particular have either been completely shut out or gone on the stunt category and that's pretty much it so the fact that in particular, WandaVision got nominated in acting categories is a huge, huge deal. Well, they were and writing and writing and directing, yeah, which I thought there's was very cool. no way they could have won. It was a crazy outside shot that they could have won. Like you're saying, it was always going to go to the crown. It was they could have, gonna... they could have won. There was some amazing acting on that show and and I great mean, stuff going on. I mean, I the crown that. was good, but I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you're just not going to beat the crown for an Emmy vote. No. It's just not the way it's going to go. I will say watching uh, the the writing category uh, in particular, there were I think three episodes of WandaVision nominated. I mm-hmm. thought that's the one I was like, "Oh, maybe that could go that way." Yeah. But it just didn't. There's just there's also with all of these award shows, the large majority of the boards are going to skew much older and they're going to look at it as, "Oh, it's that superhero stuff. Oh, it's Marvel." Versus these prestige shows. So that's what they're always going to lean towards. It's bullshit. The longer comic book based stuff goes on. I know it's not a genre, but just referring to it as a genre, as long as it goes on, you know, we're about a decade plus in at this point. 
there's going to be a point, to be frank, when the people who are the older voters are going to die and cycle out, and the people who respect and understand superhero stuff are going to cycle in, and it's going to become more established. So if it goes on several decades, it will change. But as it is right now, it's a long shot as best. Something eventually will break that. Uh, and I think it's probably going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, 100%. Um, I can't wait till my doctor looks at my chart and says, I'm sorry, sir, but you're being cycled out. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner for Hawkeye winning all the awards at next year's Emmys. Wow. That's that's my prediction. We are heading that way. I will say one thing. I did watch the Emmys, and I found it very strange. Mandalorian was nominated for um, Best Drama, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And... In the clip they showed, they showed the Luke Skywalker reveal. Which I was like, yeah. get the fuck out of here with this. You can't do their, that. Their clips are crazy across the board. None of the clips ever make any sense. I don't know why no. they put them up there. Also, that show There's A lot of was drama in Mandalorian. And the Eddies were so bad. Um, yes. I, I, every, I, I, they're not fun, per se, to watch, but it's still nice. I like watching them. There's a comfort to the Emmys. I, I just feel like everyone's always like that. This award show is bad, and I'm like, the, the good ones are very close to the bad ones. What are you? <laughs> what are you drawing a line? The sketches truly in the Emmys this year were embarrassingly bad. The yes. the Bismarcky thing was shocking. Oh. That they, I appreciate that Come they won the honor. Dude, the shot I, no, 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 no. Pete, we're saying Bismarcky cool is bad. Bismarcky is bad. That's what we're trying to say. How yeah. dare you? Of Respect course, biz. of course, I the, appreciate the shout Nobody out. Nobody beats the biz. The performance was just not what people want, not what anybody Real quick, wanted. everybody uh, on the count of three, who is your favorite rapper? One, two, three. <laughs> Rita Wilson. Yes. Okay, there we go. Pete said little dicky, so I oh. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, all right, let's stop. My top five motherfuckers. That let's stop analyzing fire. the Emmys. One quick last one here. This is from Michael Vinoy seventy nine. Will there be a Venom Carnage movie podcast? I think the answer to that is I don't know. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do a an app about that. I think. Yeah, probably. You gonna go see it in theaters, boys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me say. I I'm excited for this movie. Yeah, right. I don't know that I want to go to a movie theater and catch the Delta variant for Venom. Let there be carnage, but well, maybe that's what I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> that's the right attitude, Alex. Yeah, that's true. And you know what else has the right attitude? Whoever is going to play trivia in our next section, and for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics so you can get your comics online and get them safely. Uh, so, yeah, all we need is a first hand up or yeah, a Somebody hey-o. just say first hand up, me or whatever, either in the comments here on Crowdcast or over on YouTube, say me, 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 whatever you want, and raise your hand. Me, me, me. Oh, we got Ooh. a Kevin here. I'll bring in Kevin. Uh, into the stream and pete i don't know what you're gonna go for but just uh in terms of dead celebrities we covered norm mcdonald last week so just oh you did it. okay yeah oh thanks did. okay right. yeah no problem if you want to send that out <laughs> okay cool 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 yeah uh, is that I, who you picked or do you have a, a different recently deceased celebrity to pay tribute to i, I do have a different one but uh it's interesting Kev, look out there's a <laughs> shark behind you oh yeah uh 
One of the puppets chart? that we never. Oh no, it's a puppet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was a puppet. Uh, a yeah. puppet used in the actual Jaws movie. Is that a, a bee, a Mothra? What bee. is that? Okay. Oh, great. Those were a couple that I hadn't shown yet. Nice. Uh, you. Pete, you want to take it away with some trivia? Or you just want to oh, sure. Puppets, well, so I'm going to ask about his guy, you know, how old he is. You got to appreciate Kevin still wearing the tie. Kevin, are you going yeah. into an office in your life right now? Uh, for work? This is what I would be wearing if I were not doing anything. And it turned out actually is what I'm wearing when I'm not doing anything. Interesting answer to that question. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and the small nod to the legend A.J. Johnson. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one, Kev. Who has a new project coming out called The Scorched? Is it A, The Rock, B, Todd McFarlane, or is it C, Jada Pinkett Smith? So is it A, The Rock? No, don't fall for it. Or is it B, Todd McFarlane? Don't fall for The Rock. I think we're going to go with uh, Todd McFarlane. That Ah. is correct. All right, here we go. You know, question number the two. Just spawned for me. Oh, this I guy. Love it, Kevin. Here's the, the reason Kevin's wearing a tie because he's at work right now. He's out here That's working. That's right. That's right. He's, he's on the job right now. He gets respect. That guy gets respect. All right. No, he uh, doesn't get any respect. No, uh, Kevin gets respect. Come on. What All was right. it? What was Rodney Dangerfield's catchphrase? I'm very respected. That's right. Everybody respects me. Oh boy. I think he's he's saying R E S P E C T. Find oh, out yeah. what you mean to me, right? Yeah, that's true. Here we go. In Keanu Reeves Berserker number five, what musician gets a shout out? Is it A the Rolling Stones, B Etta James, or is it C Samuel L. Jackson? So it's either A, which doesn't really make sense, or it's B. I think at last. Etta James is getting the respect she deserves. Oh, I love it, Cab. Oh, Kevin. Wow. On the job. On On the clock. Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, Last one. What is getting its own comic to go with the new Netflix series that is coming up? Is it A, Cowboy Bebop, B, He-Man Masters of the Universe, or is it C, Charles S. Dutton? Hmm. So is it A... And you will win $25. Or you can pick B or C. I'm going to go with A. A is correct. Cowboy Bebop getting the Bebop. Congratulations. I just want to say, for the record, the original run on Charles S. Dutton was perfect. And I hope they never mess with it. Can't remake that. Yeah. Now, congratulations, Kevin. You won $25 in a gift card to Midtown Comics. But since you are live on the show, do you know what the secret movie that Pete was teasing is. Uh, oh. A project involving A.J. Johnson, I believe. Right, Pete? That's right. Yeah. It is not coming to me, and I know it'll come to me as soon wow, as I get Wow, it's crazy. It. Kevin, you are on it every episode. You have the answer. Before Pete finishes his second question, you have it. Yep. And it's amazing that Pete has almost challenged, he has purposefully stumped you. Yeah, it's a menace to society. Mm. Uh, That's a good one. Now, I will mention we're running very long for the show already, but 
Somebody over on the YouTube comments, Stanley says, is Kevin's quiz over? Kevin, you are <laughs> odd. Alex. What am I doing? <laughs> are you ready? Are you want to? Are you ready? Do you want to ask a question? Oh my okay, goodness. let's do it. <laughs> All right, so I think last time we had talked about oh, Hanna-Barbera turning to live action with Legends of the Superheroes. <laughs> well, the amount of so life go that you just into, Kevin. <laughs> we're going to go back to Filmation, which, of course, had been doing live action shows on Saturday mornings for a few years at that point. Oh, I mean, yeah, in definitely. 1975, you'd had The Secrets of Isis and The Ghostbusters. Right, right, But the right. year before that, you had Shazam. So, and you know what? I'm going to do this in the style of Pete's quiz. Good. I'm going to give you multiple choice. All right. And so Shazam and Mentor drove around in a motorhome from which American manufacturer? Okay. I'll, I know, actually know this. I know it off the top of my head. I don't need it. Uh, multiple choice. Okay. Right. <laughs> Go for it there. Not, not flex. No, what do you I'm, got? Just, I'm just kidding. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> don't know. Okay. What are you, crazy? Uh, you think I know Winnebago manufacturers? <laughs> All right, Was it A? Yeah. AMC, the American Motor Company. Okay. Not the movie theater chain. Dodge. Or the movie, or the, okay, Dodge. Dodge. Oh, no, AMC was an actual car manufacturer. Okay, I believe you. They had the Gremlin and the Pacer. Yeah, and they uh, produced the Walking C, Dead. <laughs> sure. C, Winnebago. Mm. Or D, Gavin McLeod. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I like what he did there at the end. Okay, so wait, it's Dodge. AMC, 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 Dodge, AMC, Winnebago. I mean, Winnebago feels like the obvious answer, right? Yeah, I feel like it's not the obvious one. I think you AMC may want to because that to Pablo. Seems... Pablo, yeah, well, C was B? Winnebago. I'm going to go B? with Dodge. Dodge. It was a 1973 Dodge open road motorhome. Wow. Yes. That's right. that's the one I knew off the top right. of my head. All right. And how many I, questions know, do we have in this quiz? 17 or so? Three. Three. All right. We could do this. We could do this. We could finish this off. Okay. We're really on a roll. All right. <laughs> Just a second. Okay. This next one needs process. Okay, so this sorry, one... Kevin, just before you get into this, uh, for anybody who's tuning into this podcast for the first time, just to give a very quick recap here, Pete wow. had a secret quiz for several years. We found out about it later. Pete ran a secret quiz, did it. Then I ran a secret quiz, did it. And then Justin ran a secret quiz, did it. And so Kevin, our wonderful <laughs> audience member, created a secret quiz of his own just for us. So that's what's going on here. Kevin, okay. back to you. All right. So for the next question, I'm going to ask you a couple of very quick uh, two-option multiple-choice questions, one of which will be true for the villain of the TV movie Captain America, Death Too Soon. Mm. I love the title. And so if you get three of the five, you pass. This is a secret quiz. Three of the five? It's a secret well, quiz. In this uh, I'm going to race through them very quickly. Yeah, okay. they, they, they don't really count, you know, because it's, you know, it's okay. quick. So is the villain of Captain America, Death Too Soon, played by A, Christopher Lee, 
or B, Ricardo Montalban? Don't answer yet. Oh, Wait, what? I know which one I want it to be. Okay, you know what? Is he played by Chris Lee or Ricardo Montalban? Chris Lee, uh, but I I'm going to say Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban. Seems more reasonable. Okay, so your answer is B. Is he oh. known only as A, General Miguel, or B, Abner Smith? Oh. If it's Ricardo Maltabom, it has to be I'm General gonna, Miguel. I'm going to go with General Miguel <laughs> if we're going to have continuity. Okay, so your answer else. there is A. Is he hiding in A, a federal prison in Oregon, or B, a cave in the Nevada desert? B. Ooh, I'm going to say cave in the Nevada desert because that's probably B. cheaper to film on a Just shoot in 100%. Now, is he A, revealed to the audience in the first 10 minutes, or B... His face is kept hidden through the entire movie, even though he has that super distinctive voice and you hear him throughout. Oh, B. Definitely B. B, yeah. I mean, if we're, okay. I think we're doing well here because Ricardo Montalban, distinctive voice. Yeah. yeah. Is he A, a ruthless t- terrorist with a rapid aging formula in the movie Captain America, Death Too Soon? Oh, mm. oh that makes or sense. Or B, a suave international criminal with a list of secret agents? A. Gotta go with A. Yeah, all right. I'll go with A. Okay, so your answers were three Bs and two As. The correct answers were A, 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 and A. <laughs> and answered one too many. He was Christopher Lee playing General Miguel hiding out in a prison in Oregon with his rapid aging formula. The B answers, Ricardo Montalban as Abner Smith in a cave in the desert we're all from the 1974 Wonder Woman movie. Oh, uh, that's why we made all those mistakes. Oh, yes, man. we mixed it up. Yeah, <clears throat> that's why the 1974 did. Wonder Woman movie has Ricardo Montalban playing this suave international criminal, Abner Smith. Oh boy, that's bad naming for one <laughs> across the board. But I will okay. say that was a good question, Kevin. That was a good one. Bunch okay. of A's. Since there are only two left, we'll race through them. Okay. So oh, even though now, we got that course, wrong, we're still going? Yep. Great. <laughs> we can't go back and get it right, Alex. <laughs> All right. Don't interrupt him. I don't know. That's how Pete okay. did it. <laughs> now, of course. What? Do you want to end here? No. I don't. No. Keep going. Uh, now. Now. Of course, since I had mentioned before, there were three live-action Spider-Men. And we've had already the amazing Spider-Man, Nicholas Hammond, and we've had, uh, you know, the Spidey Super Stories from... Or, sorry. The Spidey Super Stories from the Electric Company. So, of course, we have to have a question on Japanese Spider-Man. Of course. Of course. I've been talking about this. Right. Now, in Toei's classic Japanese series... The web slinger is motocross racer Takuya Yamashiro. But as Spider-Man, though, he has a flying car and a spaceship that transforms into a giant robot. Mm. All of which have names that, as with everything about Spider-Man in the show, is in English. Yes. So the show's in Japanese, but as soon as he needs to shoot his spider string, he yells out, Spider String. So name... Two of the three of the car, the spaceship, and the robot that the spaceship transforms into. Uh, no multiple choice on this one? 
Nope. Oh. <sighs> if, well, if you saw the Marvel 616 episode on it, you should be able to get at least a couple of these. Oh, I definitely okay. did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> So what the were we spider, supposed to name? The car, the, the robot. The spider was the spider buggy, right? That's definitely wrong. So you have the car, the spaceship, and the robot. Sticky spider tires. Ship. Oh, we got uh, Leopardo for the mecha. Is that the robot? So Leopardo, Mipelangelo. And Dapotelo hmm. is what I'm going to go for. We're going the car was the Spider Machine GP7. Right. Oh, I, I had the letters off. off. Okay. The spaceship was Marveler. Oh, good. Looks like Marvel. Which turned into the robot Leopardon. So oh, Pablo is one letter yeah. off. There's an okay. N. Well, it's Leopardon, or as it's sung in the uh, theme song, Leopardon. Mm. Easier to rhyme. Yes. All right. Well, I think we know so that one. There's one more question, right? Okay. And finally, of course, we have to end on the physical challenge question. Oh, do we want to save this so, one? Oh, we'll keep doing it? Okay. Good. Yep. So. Physical challenge. Let's finish this, Justin. <laughs> so very quickly. Uh, and you're just going to have to make a the gesture, and you will know which gesture to make based on these four notes that I'm about to hum. And one of you has actually already gotten it right. <laughs> Great. And I'm just going to do four notes because, you know, music rights and also sure, it's sure, going to sure. come out terrible. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, everybody do the movements you just did. Do the music this. again. I did this. I did. Dun, 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 dun. It's gotta be this. Gotta it be can't this. be this. No, it's, no, it, it, it's it's a thumb up and held up or behind, like because for it's the theme from the end of uh, Incredible Hulk. Ah, uh, uh, he's hitchhiking. Oh uh, yeah. You know oh, when he's hitchhiking at the end. You know. Ah, okay. That's a good physical challenge. Let me say, Kevin, I've never. You've challenged us to the impossible. <laughs> Held us to a high standard. Really, if anything, I would call you a challenger of the unknown. Wow. Yeah. And truly a member of this Fantastic Four. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for this quiz. Thank you for putting it towards us. Thank you we for letting it. us into your home, Kev. You know, it's real nice. Yes. Thank you. How do you feel now that it's all over? Uh... Relieved. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Glad we could take that off your shoulders. You have to worry about it. Uh, I know. The burden is uh, yes. a nightmare. Great. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, so when, right. where do we collect our prizes? Or like, what's the <laughs> no, yeah. check? Yeah, because after how you did on those, you think you <laughs> get the prize? Yes. Wow. Okay, wow. I think Dick I nailed the th I nailed the thumbs Dick up pretty well, Kev. So I guess in terms of secret quizzes, we're back to Pete now. So we'll kick it off with that, Kevin. No, no more secret quizzes. I don't think we have to reset the mechanism when it comes to secret <laughs> quizzes. You know what? I think it'll be one of our guests upcoming. We'll have a secret quiz. We'll see if we can activate it. 
There you go. Right. Kevin, maybe, thank you so much for coming on. Thank or, you for putting... Uh, what? He said maybe so Nat. Maybe like Nat or... Langston or something. Hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. Kevin, thank you. Have a great night. We appreciate it. Good night, Kev. Uh, Wow, I can't believe we crushed that. Wow. You know, as... I'm just uh, glad Kevin's relieved. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that makes me feel better to know he's a little pep in As we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? Well, I tell you... I I really liked the the Frontier, uh, man comic. The uh, yeah, I think that was uh, very enjoyable. I also really like the back matter and the uh, at the end of it really kind of gets the tone uh, really well and makes it a lot of fun. But uh, once in future number twenty, I mean, come on, it's coming out. One of your favorite books, Justin. What about you? Woo! What are you coming looking out. forward to? I got to give it up for that Texas Blood number 10. Oh. This comic <clears throat> has been consistent. I feel like it's been getting uh, better and better with every issue. It's a, a comic about a small Texas town and um, the cops that sort of deal with the situations they have on hand. And the last arc, we've been uh, getting into a flashback to a time back in, I believe, 1981, where um, a bunch of bad shit went down. And this issue, I believe, is going to be very, very good. Yeah. The one, and I'm very surprised by this, that I was most looking forward to coming out tomorrow <clears throat> is King Spawn number two from Image Comics. Yeah. I was shockingly blown away by the first issue by of that, and I really wanted to see if it holds up in the second issue. Something that we will be talking about in the Stack podcast that comes out of the Comic Book Club feed, and also in its own dedicated Stack feed, Wednesday at 9am. And folks... That is it for this week's show. A couple of people you yes. want to thank. We want to thank Patrick Kindlin and Marco Ferrari. Be sure to pick up Frontiersman coming out tomorrow from Image Comics. Also, Tony Fleece, Stray Dogs, the collection is out now in comic book shops, and you can order on Amazon, and it's awesome. Next week, we have another packed show for you. Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman are going to be here to talk about Stan Lee's Alliance and New Reality, and also Max Allen Collins, the creator of Road to Perdition is going yes. to be here, so that should be very exciting wow. to tease a new project that he's working on. Speaking of new projects, we got a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different projects coming your way, as we mentioned. Why the Cast, man? Why the, the cast, cast, man? Every Monday, talking about Why the Last Man. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, talking about What If right now on Wednesdays. Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, Wednesday nights. Star Guys, our Star Girl podcast, Coming up as we tape this in four minutes. There's going to be a new episode. Oh, oh, man. Jump right so into we, it. Yeah, we got to tape that really quick. Double time. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows. We do <laughs> iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen. Please leave us a question in the iTunes reviews and we will read them on the show yes. during the ask question part. Or recommend a book for us to cover and we will do it. All you got to do is leave us a comment with that wreck in it. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Good night! Adam Marks. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.